I went to DreamHack Atlanta this weekend, taking place in the exact same building as E3 did 25 years ago. Oh, yeah. E3. Tonight is December 17th, 2023, and the Bobby Blackwell Show featuring your calls and chat comments is up next. So, so you would say even uh, if... Okay, I'll let you go. You talk. Wow, what what happened to your voice? Thank you, Skype. So, video games, that's what the show is about. This is that one, Akia Ripper from uh, Sweden. And what's with all the Halo hate, Bob? You've been hating on Halo a lot lately. I I just don't like shooters. I'm not saying it's a bad game, I just don't like it. Billy OK says he can't be seen in public playing games that aren't hardcore. What would people say? And what up, G and Chad is once again talking about wrestling. That's why it's it's not because they hate the fans. It's more because they have to start from scratch. Uh, hogwash. Later. From a little room in Atlanta, Georgia, Bobby Blackwolf. That's right. I am back. I am festive. I've got my Contra ugly sweater on. It has the Konami code at the bottom because I can't play Contra without the Konami code at the bottom. Hello, everybody, and welcome to a festive edition of the Bobby Blackwell Show, where we discuss the current news affecting the video game industry, as well as sometimes reminisce about gaming's history. My name is Bobby Blackwell. If you're joining us live here on the Voice of Geeks Network Twitch channel, twitch.tv slash vognetwork, uh, thank you so much. Come join us. Uh, if We do tape the show live just about each and every Sunday night, just about always at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific. There's a little caveat to that. Uh, just for for uh, for this month, uh, but uh, we do tape the show live on Sundays, uh, so you can come join us and interact with the show directly. And I'll be trying to read intelligent comments from chat throughout the night. Um, and thank you so much for being here. I, this is a podcast as well. We do have a Discord server, vognetwork.com slash Discord. Uh, that's where you can join us during the week and also see uh, our little schedule changes when things happen. Uh, but thank you so much. I was not here uh, last week. People were wondering what was going on. It's mainly because I don't tell people when I'm going on vacation until I'm back. Uh, so I, I was on another cruise. I was. We did a little short three-night cruise. My wife had PTO that she had to spend uh, so instead of taking it during the holidays when everybody else takes PTO, uh, paid time off, uh, we uh, decided to do it last weekend. So I was gone just, you know, short trip out, out of the weekend. Uh, so I was totally fine. People were like, I hope he's okay. Yes, I was. I was fine. I was doing good. That that night was the good night playing craps on the casino up until we got back into U.S. waters and they had to shut down the table. I would have won more money if the captain would have just turned around. Anyway. Uh, so thank you so much for, for being back. I know it's been two weeks. I will say uh, that uh, what I was kind of hinting at, and we're going to talk about it a little bit later on in the show as well, is that next Sunday, so the problem is we do this show on Sundays, and next Sunday is December 24th, which is Christmas Eve. The Sunday after that is December 31st, which is New Year's Eve. That's a really terrible time to try to be streaming those nights, uh, especially because I'm hosting a New Year's Eve party. No, you're not invited. But uh, so I'm, I'm not going to be around that night. And I get but uh, and also Christmas Eve is a time to be with family. So what we are doing is uh, we are actually going to be shifting our programming up next week. Uh, so on December 24th, we're actually doing kind of like European hours. Uh, some stuff, you know, so like Europeans who are uh, celebrating Christmas Eve, they're going to miss out. But this is going to be a great time for them. So uh, we are going to be uh, do I am going to be on next Sunday at 2 p.m. Eastern. 
11 a.m. Pacific, or I believe since we're in standard, I don't know if it's negative five. I believe that's 7 p.m. Greenwich Mean Time. So I'm going to be on that, and then Orange Lounge Radio is going to be on an hour later at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific, 8 p.m. GMT. So that is what we're doing on the 24th. We're not going to have shows on the 31st. Uh, but we are going to be having shows on the 24th. I will be on for my hour, and then OLR will be on. And so we're just kind of shifting our programming up to be in the afternoon. Here in the U.S., it's going to be evening for those of you in the U.K. So you can have uh, lunchtime with uh, the Voice of Geeks Network. So, uh, so yeah, so um, I'm looking forward to actually having a daytime show. The, the, there's going to be a lot more light in here because the sun will be coming in. But I will tell you what I will be talking about next week is I did, while I was out, they tried to deliver it. And thankfully, I had a a vacation hold. Uh, But I did get the Atari 2600 Plus. I got my Atari 2600 Plus. I got like, and I had spent and gotten all the games that they had. So there was like, there's like two game, two new games. One's a remake. Uh, where one's like a hack, an, an updated version, homebrew version, and then another one's like just a brand new homebrew game that Atari is is officially publishing. And then I also got like the paddle controllers and the paddle pack and stuff. So uh, we already have a written review of the Atari 2600 Plus by Pod Culture over at VogNetwork.com. So you can go ahead and check that out. It goes through all the unboxing. I didn't film any unboxing stuff or anything like that because Pod Culture had done it for us. But uh, I do believe the Pod Culture didn't get any of the other stuff. He just got the system, whereas I got the other games. I got the paddle controller and the games and stuff. So I will be talking about that next week during our afternoon show here in the U.S. on December 24th. Um. So let's talk about where I was this weekend. So, you know, it's been kind of a whirlwind week. I was out on vacation, and then I was down at the Georgia World Congress Center for DreamHack Atlanta. Now, uh, DreamHack Atlanta, it's uh, it's essentially, it's an esports festival is what it is now. Now, there the the history of DreamHack is essentially it came out of the land parties of the 1990s in Scandinavia. It was based out of Stockholm, Sweden. Uh, and essentially, back then, it was literally just what we would call today the BYOC area. It was the BYOC area in a stage, and that's what DreamHack was in Sweden in the 90s. And of all of the land parties that came out of Scandinavia, DreamHack is the one that got, I guess, purchased by the right entity that turned it into a global brand and then started having these other festivals in other places. And uh, they've got three in the U.S., I believe Austin and San Diego are the other two. But Atlanta is the one that uh, has been going on the longest, actually, out of the ones in the U.S. So um, so I, uh, I, I was uh, invited to come and actually uh, host some stuff. Uh, I do a lot of panel work at DragonCon, but this was a little bit different, is these were some main stage events. Um, so, uh, I'll talk about those first and then I do actually have video of, uh, some of the stuff that I saw so we can kind of go through it. But, um, I, uh, did, uh, I I hosted on Friday night, I hosted the holiday closet cosplay competition and, uh, you know, it was all wonderful people that did it. This is not the main cosplay competition. It was in a panel room. Uh, and, uh, we had about seven contestants, I believe. And, uh, and uh, it was uh, and about eight people in the audience. So we speed ran and it was like a one hour panel like and we did it in 15 minutes. And I'm actually going to I didn't think to do this because I literally just got home 
uh, from today. Uh, but I'm going to see if I can find uh, the pictures of this because I've got I've got to, and I'm doing this live and I should have done this earlier. The the this competition was supposed to be basically you go into your closet and find stuff for uh, the holiday uh, so for holiday themed uh, stuff. So it wasn't like a professional competition. Uh, so it's not all for all the pros. But here is a picture. We we have a picture here. So uh, you'll see there's a pyramid head with a Santa hat. Uh, there's, there was some Witcher, there was some Witcher cosplay, uh, and stuff. So, um, I, I really enjoyed the, the, the Witcher, uh, cos, the cosplayers were neat. And then this was them coming out. I, I really enjoyed the, the pyramid head, uh, co- cosplay as well. And I think that won something, but, uh, yeah. So we had some good stuff going on here, uh, with, you know, using candy canes with your cosplay there. There we go. That was cool. Um, and holiday Laura Croft, yes, there there is a Christmas Croft. Uh, so yeah, so we've uh, so that that was pretty fun. That was fun. It was a nice little cozy crowd and everything. So that was fun. That was Friday night. So Saturday, uh, I don't have anything to show you for this one because uh, it was uh, it was on the main stage, but they didn't stream it because it was the karaoke competition. And so I actually was up there co-hosting with uh, Anjali Bamani who is uh, the voice of Symmetra in Overwatch or Rampart in Apex Legends, as well as many other things. Uh, And a streamer by the name of Big Cheese, who is kind of a big deal. So it's kind of funny. It's like, and they know each other. So that's why it's, I'm like, I'm kind of glad it's not streamed. uh, Because, like, they knew each other. And so they were playing off of each other. And I was just kind of up there trying to follow their lead as they were doing everything. Uh, and Big Cheese is a, he's a big time streamer now because he's actually in with T Pain's crew, as in you know Auto Tune T Pain. Uh, T Pain was basically the big celebrity guest of DreamHack because he runs uh, he actually owns it's called Nappy Boy Gaming and it's like a, a fashion brand and stuff. But T Pain runs it and he got into it because he wanted to promote people like Big Cheese. So uh, we we went through that and then we actually did have to vote and I was actually one of the judges and they told me this at the end. Uh, and, uh, the, the other reason I'm going to share with you all because, um, you know, we're friends, right? Uh, af- after we kind of did the voting, they were still, uh, deliberating when the song that was being done at the end, uh, was finishing. So I was going to run back up on stage while they finished up to kind of keep everything. So the stage wasn't empty. And, um, there's a ramp that goes up to the stage and, uh, I was, uh, going up and there was, because the other contestants were there, I couldn't go all the way up the ramp, but I'm like, you know what? You know what? I can just, you know, go up this little set. I totally bit it. I totally ate it. Loud thud. And I tripped over the, the kind of the side and like I turned back around all the contestants. I'm like, none of you saw anything. And I'm like, the, I was in view of the crowd because I was on stage right. Uh, and it was like this big thud right when she was done. The person who was singing was done. And uh, they're like, are you okay? And I'm like, yeah, I'm fine. But none of y'all saw anything. Uh, And then finished the show. And I actually was. Like, I actually looked. Like, it hurt. It stung on my left leg. But, like, there's no bruise. There's no nothing. But, uh, yeah, I totally bit it on stage. And thankfully, there's no video evidence of it. So the only thing, you've got me to tell you about it. So, but it was fun. It was fun working with them uh, and, you know, doing some stuff. Uh, with with them and kind of following their lead and stuff. So that was fun. Today, just a couple hours ago, 
I got to host the Gingerbread Wars. Uh, so the Gingerbread Wars, this was... Uh, uh, so there were two teams. There were Team Red and Team Green. And uh, there, there's I, and we act, this actually is on the DreamHacks channel, twitch.tv slash DreamHack. It also was uh, streamed uh, to like some of the streamers like onto their kick pages and their Twitch pages and stuff like that. Uh, and we had two teams, Team Red, which was full of Twitch streamers, and Team Green, which was full of kick streamers. The, the whole, like, the color, it was just totally a coincidence. Uh, and uh, they were, uh, they had 30 minutes to build a gingerbread house. Uh, and and uh, the team leaders were mic'd, and so I was talking with them a little bit, talking with some of the contestants. Uh, and then uh, they got judged uh, by somebody who was offstage uh, and not watching, so, she, so they didn't know who was who. Uh, and, uh, and it was, this was actually pretty fun. I had no clue what, uh, to expect from any of this. Uh, it was very much a, all right, let's just put them up there and see what happens for an hour. Uh, the break man in chat says, I haven't had dinner yet. This is cruel. I'm like, I did open up this whole thing. I was like, are you hungry? Well, too bad. Cause you're not getting to eat any of these cookies. Um, and then it went through, uh, they had 30 minutes to uh, build some gingerbread houses. And I'm like going around working the room. Uh, you know, I made some bad puns, made everybody groan. It was great. Uh, so it is actually on the Twitch, t- uh, the DreamHack Twitch channel, twitch.tv slash DreamHack. Uh, it is part of day three. It's like at the end of the thing. So you, you can watch T-Pain playing D&D for the first time. And then the Gingerbread Wars is afterwards. Um, so, uh, so yeah, so that was actually a lot of fun. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's actually, you know, my first time actually hosting some kind of like competition like this, um, and trying to, you know, kind of keep everything cohesive, uh, and keeping the crowd occupied, uh, and kind of narrating what's going on. Like a part of the way through, they started bringing cameras on stage so you could actually see people, uh, you know, decorating their houses and what they're trying to do. Uh, and Esther and Matt says Lego masters, but with gingerbread houses with Bobby, I, that is where I got a lot of my inspiration. I tried not to be too much like Will Arnett, but yes, I totally kind of went, you know, tell me about your build and all, a lot of stuff that was, uh, you know, you can get from Lego masters, uh, and stuff. So it was, it was, uh, it was a lot of fun. It's something I've never done before. Uh, but they didn't know that I had never done it before because it's all about your confidence, everybody. Uh, I acted like I knew what I was doing, and I was going by the seat of my pants, uh, which Rob will tell you uh, because Rob does a lot of this stuff out on the West Coast. Is that That's really what it's like, hosting stuff like this. It's like, yeah, you just have to roll with it, and it's not a skill everybody has. Um, just rolling with what's going on and just trying to keep everything energetic. It's not easy, uh, but uh, when you can pull it off it, it it's it's a lot of fun for everybody um and so uh and dark to see says i noticed bobby channeling a little bit of will arnett yeah i did i mean you know i because that's the show that i watch that's most like this i don't watch you know master chef or any of the other stuff i, I lego masters is the show that we watch um pod uh breakman says bobby Michael is like willy wonka you lose you get no cookies you know uh I wasn't like I was telling the audience that, but uh, I think like the kids that were on Team Green, they did get to eat a little bit of the stuff that they didn't actually use in the build. Um, so Team Green did win. 
uh, and uh, they uh, made this nice little house that didn't. uh, The judge came up and actually like threw darts at the gingerbread house and team red uh there the the ceiling came off and uh but team green here did not uh it stayed structurally sound and it had a lot of great detail and stuff and they did that in 30 minutes so do check that out um and uh, check that out if you want uh and uh i'm it was a lot of fun uh hopefully i'll be able to do more stuff like that and now that i've got video proof that i can do it Maybe that'll happen. So what about the rest of DreamHack? What about, what was the rest of it like? So um, I do have video here that's loading up uh, as we speak here. So, and I don't want the sound on because you don't want that. Uh, But, uh, so it took place at the Georgia World Congress Center, uh, which is, uh, and and this video, um, for those that are watching live, and I apologize to the podcast audience, I'll narrate it. But it's literally like I dumped this video off of my camera about, you know, 30 minutes ago. So I haven't gone through it. I don't know. I like I know what I took. So it's not like I don't know what's on here, but like I don't know what I'm going to see next. So we're going to watch it kind of together. So really, I'm just like showing the very long hallway to get from where I came in to where DreamHack actually was making. They made a lot of gamer references and things like that. And, And they have a lot of they do all the gaming references, even though. It's kind of interesting, and I'm like I'm not trying to like bash DreamHack here, but it does feel like a little bit of like we're corporate and we're trying to you know fit in and say these. It doesn't feel that genuine, but I'm not going to say it's not. Um, it, it you know, but but they did a good job with some of the stuff they did, like all the music in the hallways. They took over the music in the hallway, so it was playing you know Halo or. Smash Brothers, or it was playing music from video games. Uh, Pacoach says, I didn't know carpet that could be uglier than the Marriott. This is, I think this is the same carpet they've had for a while, the same pattern in the Georgia World Congress Center. Because um, it's, it, this is, this is the newer building. They were in the newest building, which is building C at the Georgia World Congress Center. Uh, but uh, that carpet's been around for a while. Like, I, I've, I've, I've gone to many things in the, in the Georgia World Congress Center, including, like DreamHack has been in this building. Atlanta Comic Con was here, uh, you know, and then multiple other things. MomoCon's in this same building. So, uh, but yeah, w- once you go in, uh, it's one of those, like, it kind of feels like E3 in the sense of, like, the booths being lit up on their own. Uh, it does give kind of that feeling when you go in. Uh, but there are some areas where the house lights are on, some areas that are not, because uh, there is an artist alley, uh, and stuff, but at the beginning, there's there's booths um, of you know people trying to. It's a lot of companies trying to target gamers, not necessarily game companies. So it's like Monster Energy has had a big thing, uh, Intel had a big thing, showing off some of their stuff. To the left, that's the Creator Studio. If I was there as a content creator, I could have streamed live from DreamHack and gotten in that lounge. Everybody I knew that was at DreamHack was hiding on that lounge, and I couldn't get in because I didn't have a content creator badge. But, yeah, Monster Energy had, uh, like, the little uh, basketball things um, going on. And uh, Breakman says it looks less like E3 and more of a car show. And that's I, – I haven't been to a car show, but it's it's one of those – It's they have it set up to where, like, a lot of these booths are, you know, lit by themselves – but there's, you know, there's different things. So in the back here, there was actually laser tag, and it was Call of Duty Mobile. 
So you could actually sign up and play laser tag and, you know, send your information to Call of Duty Mobile. But then going down, like, really the big part of DreamHack for a lot of people is the esports. And the esports stages are pretty huge. And they had different esports stages for, uh, um, they had a Call of Duty one, they had a StarCraft one, uh, and I believe a League of Legends one. I, I don't remember exactly all the stuff that they had. Um, so, and it's funny, I was doing stuff on the main stage. The main stage was the smallest stage. So these other stages for, uh, and I think, yeah, this is a Call of Duty stage, the first one that's here on the right. Um, because they're doing, and these are like huge cash prizes and they'll have their teams of five, uh, and you know, they're streaming all their own stuff. Uh, but each stage like had its own a different game. It was run by a different competition, and it was they were all way bigger than the main stage that I was doing stuff on. Uh, there was a little bit of an arcade, and I go back to it. There is a free play section in the middle, along with a little bit of tiny arcade, also from Save Point, which is the same company that provides for Dragon Con and Momo Con. Uh, this, I believe, is. I don't. I can't tell what. I can't remember what game that was. I think they like swapped some of the games uh, on some of these. So like sometimes a stage would have a different game, uh, so it wouldn't be the same one every time. Uh, but it's it's a full on esports pro- television production. Um, this this one they had StarCraft two, and unfortunately when I was walking by, they weren't actually playing StarCraft. Uh, they were playing Connect Four. For some, for whatever reason, I guess you know because they were setting up for the next game, uh, but uh, but yeah, they had a big StarCraft stage, and I saw a lot of people from uh, from a lot of people in their branded jerseys uh, with all their sponsors, kind of like a car show, um, and and you know, so they had a big huge tournament. They did have a BYOC LAN, which is kind of going back to DreamHack's roots. Uh, but, uh, so a whole bunch of people brought in their own computers. Then I was excited because there was a tabletop area and you know how much I love my board games, right? Uh, yeah. When they say tabletop, they literally mean magic, the gathering and only magic, the gathering. Like that is the tabletop. Now there was a huge magic, the gathering tournament going on. Um, and, uh, like with huge cash prizes. So there were hundreds of people here playing Magic the Gathering. And I believe, like, the opening area was supposed to be just, like, open tabletop. Like, you could play anything. But the only people here were playing Magic the Gathering. Like, that, this is a Magic tournament. Um, so, uh, I, I was... But really, who goes to an esports festival to play board games? Not many people, right? So it and it, it it literally was just magic. It wasn't any other collectible card trading game. There wasn't Pokemon. There wasn't any of the other stuff. It's literally magic. This was whole Magic the Gathering. Uh and, and like all the vendors in here were selling magic cards or magic art or uh you know anything related to Magic the Gathering. And this was the quote unquote tabletop area. But it was uh, it was a huge area over on the side, well lit. Uh, but I think there were like four hundred different stations. Darklaw says, "What if the board game was digital? And I mean, a video game version of it. It can be an esport. Uh, th- there is a video game version of Magic: The Gathering, and it is used as an esport, actually." 
there there are plenty of those tournaments that play magic on uh on the the digital version so there was a free play area and they were also doing free play tournaments that did have cash prizes for some of these so uh and what they did here which is different than other uh places that do console free play is you don't choose like you don't get to like rent out a station play whatever they actually had the mario kart 8 set up they had the smash brothers ultimate set up they had the mario party superstars set up they had the street fighter 6 so you would go to a station and play uh they even had like f1 and eafc and and stuff like that so you would actually just go up and play at the table instead of like checking out a console and putting a game in it. So they had those stations, which I think is actually a little bit better. And they had signs up so you knew exactly what you were getting into and what you could go play. And then next to the free play was uh, the arcades. So they had uh, they, they had your uh, music games because it is from Save Point Arcade. They had Dance Dance Revolution. Uh, there was a pop-in music there. There was not a Beatmania 2DX. Um, and, uh, they, then they had some candy cabs where people could play fighting games or they had some of their, uh, some of their scrollers, uh, the, the vertical scrollers like Ikaruga. I don't know if Ikaruga was specifically the one they were playing, but that's the one I can think of the most. Um, also some puzzle fighter you can see over here. Um, and, uh, this, this was just where you could kind of chill. It was, it was smaller than it's been in the past. I've seen larger uh, in previous dream hacks had a little bit more of a selection uh, than in the arcade section. This was kind of like off in the side, um, uh, you know, or it was it was right in the middle, but it was just like there wasn't that much there. There was only about like 10 or 12 cabinets. Uh, they also they did have a VR zone. So people who could not have not tried VR and they had like. What they have, it's like it looks like a four square court, but they have like these big squares, and then they put people in, you know, Oculus Quest or MetaQuest headsets, and they could try their room scale stuff, uh, and that was a good way to get people to actually try VR, um, and that was over in the, the next section over there. Uh, I will say that, uh, and uh, they did have two pinball machines. They had a Deadpool, which is a modern one, and then. Uh, the Bride of Pinbot, which is a classic one. I played the Bride of Pinbot one, and I think it got like leveled weird because like it went straight down the middle. The ball went straight down the middle like all three times. Like my game lasted like ten seconds, and I didn't even get to hit the ball once. Um, so uh, there, I don't know much about this. I didn't get to talk to any of them, but the, like somebody had made like this big. I don't know if it's from StarCraft. I think that might be a ship from StarCraft. Uh, but it had, uh, there's this big ship with a lot of led lights and it actually had hydraulics and went up and down and banked and, and stuff like that. And they rolled it around on a cart that had a big battery on the bottom and they were rolling it around the show floor. Uh, and so I, I saw it, uh, at this area, but, uh, there was some really good detail on this thing. Uh, and so, yeah, I, I, I stood around and took a lot of pictures of it. Uh, so, okay, Questbuster says it's a Terran battle cruiser from StarCraft. I figured it was from StarCraft. The first time I saw it was next to the StarCraft stage, and I took video there. But then it came out to the lighted area, and so that's the video I'm showing you. I threw out the video that I took of it uh, when it was in the dark, in the darkened area of the convention center. So uh, they did a really, like, it's detailed and everything. So here's where a lot of people are pissed off. 
So I am now in a different part of the Georgia World Congress Center, way off to the side. I only saw it because I came in a different entrance than the main entrance. The fighting game tournaments were all in a different ballroom. So DreamHack Fighters, it was not on the show floor. They didn't have it in the floor with everybody else. It was off, like, to the side. You had to, like, walk. Like, it was a quite a hike to get to the fighting tournament stage. And that's where they stuck the entire FGC. Uh, so I, I, I am sure that they are not happy about that. Um, because, like... The last time I went to DreamHack, this was off and on, on the show floor. So you could go by and see what's going on. You actually had to make it a point to come to the this ballroom off the beaten path to get to the fighting game tournaments. Uh, and they had, you know, a bunch of tournaments going on. But, you know, you, you had to go to this area. And so I was like, I was wondering, like, why? And and I guess that's a space thing or whatever. I guess they didn't want to put magic in that ballroom. So I guess they put the FGC there. Um, so uh, there was this, like, attack of the metallic menace or whatever. And it's, it's an anti-vaping thing. So I took pictures of it. Because this is all, like, you could take a picture with this, like... So I think Red Entertainment asked, did anybody dress up as Satan? Uh, apparently the anti-vaping crowd dressed uh, brought in Satan. Because that's really what it looked like. So, yeah, so that that was there, and you could take pictures, and it was making roaring noises and says, please don't vape. Uh, the main stage I just showed you here, uh, you can see how tiny it is compared to, like, the esports stages that StarCraft and Call of Duty have. But this was technically the main stage. Um, and there was some, other, some stuff going on here, uh, including uh, T-Pain playing D&D. Uh, in fact, here's uh, – they actually had this – this was interesting. I thought I had ever seen it all. Uh, there's T-Pain right there. They had an esports fashion show where people would walk the catwalk and show off their fashion to esports stuff. So it was a bunch of people in hoodies and joggers. And they were walking like it was a serious fashion show and like posing on each side of the stage uh, and stuff. So uh, And it ended with T-Pain's branding company, which is Nappy Boy Gaming. But like a bunch of people did, um, you know, it was it was their jerseys and stuff like that that they can make. And then over on the side uh, next to that was uh, the Georgia Game Developers Association and uh, the Indie Cluster showing off a bunch of indie games. And uh, so I don't actually have any interviews with any of them. There were some interesting ones on here and one that I'm going to show you at the end. Uh, which was very interesting, but there's what's what's interesting is that there were two games that were play where you play you the viewer played. One of them is a Twitch. There, there's a, one company that was making a Twitch plays RPG. So you know, like how you have your like Pokemon game, and it's like Twitch plays Pokemon. Well, this was actually made to be played by chat with at commands, and you had your own player uh, as a viewer, and you would use at commands to do a turn based battle system. Uh, and so it's kind of like marbles on stream where it's like the streamer doesn't actually play the game. They just facilitate and host. And then another one was discord. Uh, it's a discord game where you can like play, uh, against people on discord and, and you set up a game and, and have turns and take, it's a turn-based game where you're trying to, you know, destroy people. Um, so that was kind of interesting. 
Um, so I'm just I'm going through uh, kind of like the Georgia Game Developer Association area, and then the Georgia Pavilion, which had a lot of like local businesses, colleges, things about like the Georgia film industry and things like that. The game that I wanted to highlight here is from called Edge of Allegoria, and it's it looks like a Game Boy game. It looks like a, it's looks like a Pokemon game, uh, except uh, Edge of Allegoria is not a Pokemon game. Uh, but it is green. It, it looks like a Game Boy game. So I'm like, when I say that it's green, uh, got green stuff. But uh, it does have words I can't say here on the show without going, without hitting that button. Um, because uh, it says a retro inspired turn based RPG adventure. This ain't no kids game. So, and Breakman says it looks like a lot of detail for a Game Boy game. Oh, it's a PC game. It just looks like a Game Boy game. Uh, and, uh, it is, uh, they actually have an hour long demo out on steam right now. So it's called edge of allegoria and you can go on steam right now and play a one hour demo. And it essentially it plays like Pokemon, but it is not Pokemon. You are actually collecting weapons to kill the creatures. You're not trying to catch the creatures. Uh, and, um, there's a lot of in it, um, or, or a lot of words in it and things like that. Um, I do want to mention that uh, there was also an awards, uh, since I'm doing work with George Game Developer Association, they had the Sylvie Awards, and I do want to read at least who got the best game from there. Uh, and I did not actually get to be there for the awards. It was at the same time as the gingerbread thing. Uh, but from Neva, won first place. Congratulations. Void Souls, got se- I believe, got second. And then Grenade Junkie got third. And so you can find more information about those. Uh, and, uh, and, and find out more about, uh, a lot of the dream hack indies and stuff. Uh, and I believe there's going to be some sites about that. I unfortunately don't have that off the top of my head. So, uh, that was dream hack. Uh, so, uh, and, uh, I had a lot of fun. It was a, a new experience for me doing some of that main stage stuff, hosting competitions instead of panels. So, uh, if you're here from that, uh, I appreciate you. Thank you for checking us out here after seeing all of that at DreamHack. Uh, so two weeks ago before I left, actually the night before I left, uh, was the Game Awards. Uh, Jeff Keeley's Game Awards uh, is basically the Winter Game Fest. Um, and in fact, like, yes, like that night I did, I co-hosted, we, we, we streamed it here at the Voice Geeks Network. Uh, me and Rob, we were on there. Uh, and then the next morning I was like gone at like five in the morning to get down to the airport. Uh, so like really like I was packed already and everything, uh, and, and going in and doing that. So, um, but there's been a lot of discourse since because I was okay with it at the time. Cause we talked about like, you know, uh, about, you know, what did we like to, you know, all that stuff. But there's been a lot of discourse since because they only gave, uh, the award winners 30 seconds to speak. And I did kind of want to address this a little bit because, I mean, I, I'm with you. Uh, I really wish it was more about the awards and less about the ads. But I'm also a realist. And I'm actually going to kind of give some real talk about what it actually is, not necessarily what we want it to be. One of the things that a lot of people do wrong when they're reviewing things is that they're reviewing something that doesn't exist. Because they'll be like, well, I would have liked it better if it was this. And at that point, you're not reviewing what it is. You're reviewing what you wish it was. And a lot of critics get this, do that as well. And so a lot of people were trying to review it as, you know, the Oscars, you know, trying to, to, you know, compare it to the Oscars. And uh, as the one developer says, the Oscars, but it's not. Uh, And it's not because it is unfortunately a commercial venture. 
So uh, the Brakeman asked, without the ads, would much of the show be possible? No, it actually wouldn't. And I heard a couple takes like, man, they should maybe extend it another hour to give uh, the, the presenters, or the, to give the award winners more time to talk. And uh, that's not how it would work. If they added it another hour, they'd have to sell that much more ads to be able to pay for having it another hour. Because realize that uh, the Game Awards is a professional production. It is a professional television production. It just happens to be professional television production going out to streaming sites instead of to television. And so they have to pay the professional television union rates which is, I believe, like they have it set for a time, and then every 15 minutes you go over, you pay extra. And they did go over. They used that first 15-minute block. So in order to do that, they sell airtime. So every single trailer you saw was paid for, which is why they couldn't cut that off. They couldn't cut that away. Uh, So, you know, yes, the developers only had 30 seconds to talk, and they had to get to the three-minute trailer because that company paid for that three minutes. And if they wanted to extend it an hour, they would just need to sell a lot more trailers to fill that hour to be able to pay for it. So, uh, you know, and 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 so they did some speed running of some awards to to do to make it all work because ultimately that. The trailers paid the bills, and frankly, for the majority of the people that are watching the Game Awards, which is probably not anybody in our chat room at Vogue Network, but the majority of people who tune in the Game Awards don't tune in for the awards, they tune in for the trailers. And that is the sad reality. That's what their market research has shown. That's what the focus has been. When we co-streamed it, we talked about like predictions for the awards, and we actually did have people be like, well, what are your predictions about the trailers? Because that's more important. And that that is what the majority of people who watch the Game Awards are for. They want to see the trailers. The trailers are the reason people are there. There are also awards being given out. Now, if you want the Oscars, you want the Dice Awards, which are streamed, but it's not as big of a flashy production because they don't have the budget for it because they don't sell as many ads. But that's where you can get the longer speeches from the game developers. Every game, every game that wins gets a speech. Uh, that's where that would be. And then the BAFTAs are more akin to your Golden Globes, if you want to use the film analogy. Uh, and that also is kind of a more muted production because it doesn't have the budget to be. But they also do give the, the award winners the time to speak. Uh, this is more analogous to the MTV Movie Awards. That's what the Game Awards are. And as the, the sooner that we accept that, that it is a trailer announcement show with some awards instead of an award show with some, tra- some trailers and announcements, I think the happier we would be. S. Jaron Matt says, the problem with the Game Awards is that it needs more sponsors. More sponsors, the fewer need to depend on the trailers to pay the show, but folks tune in mainly for the trailers, so it's a double-edged sword. It is an amazing vehicle. Jeff Keighley has made an amazing vehicle for people to get their game out in front of a lot of people, especially now that E3 is gone, which we're going to talk about next. And so that's the problem there. Now, there are very valid criticisms. Did Kojima, did Kojima Productions really pay for 10 minutes of airtime? Maybe they did. I don't know. I'm not in the room. Uh, you know, 
did the Muppets pay for, you know, the two or three minutes of airtime for the Gonzo skit? I don't know, but I thought it was funny. So he's still trying to also make an entertaining show that would get people to come in and watch. And the Breakman says the MTV Movie Awards were more about entertaining the audience and viewers than in the awards themselves. At least that's how it used to be. That That's what it is. The Game Awards is about entertaining the audience and the viewers. The awards, not so much. If you want something that's really about the awards, DICE, the DICE Awards, which I believe are in like February or March or something like that, that's really what you're looking for. But they're not as flashy, and so it doesn't get the viewership that the Game Awards does. And if the Game Awards became more about the awards and less about the trailers, I guarantee you viewership would drop. That, that's kind of my complicated thoughts. Like, yes, I wish I heard more from the devs. I also have heard, like, maybe they, you know, made the devs shorten up their speeches because they didn't want anybody to mention the layoffs. Jeff had a very good opening to mention the layoffs and acknowledge them in the very beginning. He was right there, and then right at the end when he could have talked about the layoffs, he veered away. Uh, and so I was kind of disappointed about that because he has called out the industry in the intro to the Game Awards before, uh, but he did not this year. And it's probably because those people that did those layoffs are the ones on the board paying for the show to happen. So that's unfortunately a bad position for Jeff to be in. It is not an independent production, unfortunately. Esther um, Matt says the Kojima and uh, Peel, because Jordan Peel came out thing i saw it as a thing uh, to get that wow moment to try to lure that mainstream press and possible possible sponsors the show needs some moments so yes the optics don't look great that jeff's friend gets 10 plus minutes but others don't so i and that's a very good point is that because it was bringing out jordan peele who has become like kind of the master of horror modern day horror uh that you know i think that's what it was which is why and because we've talked about this and we're going to talk about E3 in a second, there was one of those E3 press conferences, the Ubisoft press conferences that had, I think, like Jay-Z come out to promote Just Dance. And people were like, why? Why would they waste time on that? That made, you know, it made no sense. It was terrible, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, that got on MTV news because that was a news source that, you know, that even though I know MTV doesn't play music videos anymore, it still was a force at that time in terms of music news. And so that got on MTV news that got mainstream press that Jay-Z, or I don't know if it was Jay-Z, but it was, I think it was one it's Jay-Z or Usher or somebody in the hip hop scene, somebody big in the R and B hip hop scene was, did a thing at E3 for just dance and gamers all hated it. We were all like, why, why are you doing this? But it got the mainstream press. That was the one part that the mainstream press latched onto and so i think that's probably why uh that the kojima reveal with jordan peele was such a big deal was to get that mainstream press and i'm not positive it worked i also immediately went on a boat and didn't notice if the mainstream press picked up on it or not so those are my thoughts on on uh the game awards uh so the last thing is um uh e3 and uh, this is uh, a topic we have covered multiple times here on the show. Uh, and I was actually joking that, uh, you know, I was actually in the building that E3 was. Now, yes, I was, as in they're all connected, but uh, Building C, where DreamHack was, didn't exist when E3 was in Atlanta. E3 was, if you've ever been to the Georgia World Congress Center, maybe you've just, just went there because you were at DreamHack, E3 was in Building A. But we didn't call it Building A because it was literally the only building at the time. Or I think Building B did exist, and it might have been new, but I'm pretty like I've got maps, and it was in Building A. 
uh, I've got stuff that was the, from that time. Uh, Breakman asked, was that carpet there too? No, worse carpet was there. Uh, it was a little more hideous. I've got pictures somewhere of, of like the, the actual area. Uh, but the inside looked the same, like the same concession sign uh, and stuff. Like all that's the same. Like I, I looked through all pictures. I'm like, yep, they hadn't changed that lettering at all uh, in, in there. Uh, but uh, we finally got the tweet that we all knew was coming. E3 tweeted out, uh, quote, after more than two decades of E3, each one bigger than the last. It's not true. The time has come to say goodbye. Thanks for the memories, unquote. Uh, Each one has not been bigger than the last. 2007 was absolutely not bigger than 2006. In fact, it never got back to 2006 levels. 2006 had like 85,000 attendees and 2007 had 3,000. And I believe the last ones had about 40,000 or 50,000. Um, and S. Jeremiah says, uh, so dead they had to kill it several times. So, why, and people are like, didn't it already die? And I'm like, well, so what this is saying is they always said we're canceling this year's and we're retooling for next year. And then, okay, now we're, re- now we're still retooling. And then now we're still retooling. And then they brought in Reed Pop. And now they finally said, okay, it's, it's gone. We're, we're done trying to retool. It's finally gone. So this is them realizing what we've seen for a while. Now, the Breakman says, so let me get this straight. E3 is the absolute last to know that they died years ago. Um, yes, because they were still trying to put it on. Now, here's where I'm going to kind of come in and give a little bit of a different perspective than what you're going to hear most places about E3. So... Everybody talks about E3 died because Nintendo started doing Nintendo Directs. And, you know, the companies could talk directly to the gamers and all that stuff. Here's the problem. E3 was never supposed to be about the consumers. And when E3 started, when E3 was thriving, it wasn't about the consumers. It was not about you. So the problem is the ESA forgot that. E3 was an industry trade show. It was where the industry got together and where business gets fun. That was actually one of their taglines in the early 2000s, where business gets fun. Its original in, uh, thing in the 90s, what it was for, was for publishers to convince retailers to give them shelf space for their products over the next year. That's what its original purpose was. Now, that purpose, when digital distribution became really the big thing, that purpose kind of went away. But there was still in-person business, and it is a lot easier to do business in person than it is over Zoom, over a webcam. And it was still a place where publishers and and developers got to meet up. There were business deals. Developers got publishing deals. uh, And then the press was there because they were trying to, in the early days, convince magazines to give them space in their magazine, do a preview to give us, give us, you know, some time in your magazine. Um, And so that's what it originally was. It was not about the consumer. It was about the industry getting together, sharing ideas, getting business done, making connections. It was really about the networking and the connections. It was not about showing you, the gamer, games. 
The problem is, in the early 2000s, a group I was with, a company that I had, I had ties with, G4 Television, televised E3. And so now they were treating E3 like the Super Bowl of gaming, which meant the consumers wanted in. Because here's the world's largest arcade on free play of all these games that haven't come out yet. And the consumers wanted in. And E3 did not budge. But, but gamers are relentless, and you all know this. And the Breakman, who's been making great points tonight. Are you really Breakman? Like, because Breakman usually doesn't make good points. Uh, what have you done with Breakman? It's a Christmas miracle. He says, uh, E3 was a big show because the publishers were trying to sell space on store shelves like Target and Walmart. They had to make their display as appealing as possible. I think a lot of gamers mistook that. Absolutely. Uh, they were trying to woo the retailers, and they were trying to woo press. They were trying to woo press. That was a part of it, too, because... Press press space was also finite at the time. And so they were trying to woo the media to so the media would give them airtime, would give them uh, you know, were articles and things like that. The consumers wanted in once G4 started televising it. And then websites started popping up and showing, you know, here's, you know, all this great stuff. But the industry didn't want the consumers in it for a very good reason. A lot of the stuff that was on the show floor in the late 90s, early 2000s, and mid-2000s, they were very rough works in progress. And if you, or not maybe not you personally, but if a gamer who was not in the industry in any way, they just played games, if they saw some of these demos in the state that they were in, that was it. That was They would never play that game. If you saw Halo in 2000 like I did, you would have written it off and would have never played it because it was running at like 10 frames per second. It was crashing all the time, and it was on the show floor. It was literally on the show floor, and I played it and watched it crash and watched them open up the box. that had a PC in it. It was an Xbox dev kit, but it was totally a page box PC. Um, but it was running at like 10 to 15 frames per second. It was terrible. But I also understood what an alpha build was, which is what it was. It wasn't even in beta. It was their alpha build. And they felt safe because it was a safe space with the industry. Unfortunately, as the consumers really wanted to get in, a lot of industry people were like, okay, well, no, like we're not going to show a lot of that stuff. So in the mid 2000s, you started seeing a lot of those builds go away from the show floor. And now you stood in line to go to a theater to watch them play it. And it was either a very well-guided demo or it was a video that they acted like they were playing because more and more consumers were finding their way in. You started having influencers that probably weren't part of the industry and didn't necessarily have the journalistic integrity to understand what an alpha build and a beta build was. That's So, so they started pulling back. Then in the mid-2010s, E3 saw the ESA, the Entertainment Software Association, saw the dollar signs. And they said, consumers have money and they will pay to come to E3. And so they finally dropped the industry-only trade show and started making it, allowing the consumers to come in. And the industry was like, oh, hell no. And so the industry pulled a lot of their stuff out. And you even saw big players say, you know what? We're not going to go to E3 because the consumers are going to tear this apart. 
because it's no longer a safe space. And because the consumers are there, it's actually harder to get from one place to another because the consumers are not, are there not on business. They're gawking, essentially. And, you know, so it's like people couldn't make it to their appointments. And a lot of people, a lot of companies started making their appointments off-site. When in, in the 2000s, if you had an appointment with a company, they actually had a room usually in their booth, like the back part of their booth was all meeting rooms. And you would go to their booth, meet up and go into their their back area. Or maybe there there were meeting rooms all around the Los Angeles Convention Center along the sides. And you would go in there. Uh, In the end, they started actually having those meetings in hotel rooms. And so you went off site to go have your industry meeting at E3 because they didn't want to be around the consumer part of the show. Uh, and so that's where E3 started, you know, it started listening to the consumers and allowing the consumers in because the consumers demanded access because they said we're the most important part of the industry. And the industry is like, well, we don't want here like this is not safe for us anymore. And so they pulled back their involvement in E3 and, you know, we've lost that connection in networking. Redertainment says E3 tried to switch from a trade show to a Comic Con and that didn't go well. Uh, E3 is, E3 basically didn't evolve with the industry because unfortunately the original reason for E3 to exist didn't exist anymore. Retail shelf space, not as big of a deal anymore. Uh, so they needed to evolve with the industry and instead they evolved to the consumers and that was its downfall. S. Jaron Matt says on the GoldenEye 64 documentary, they said that E3 was key for them, but the demo was held together by duct tape and band-aids. They had to fix bugs while on the show floor for it. Yes, they did. That is why E3 is gone. It has nothing to do with Nintendo Direct. It has nothing to do with Sony State of Play. It has nothing to do with that because, believe it or not, those press conferences at E3 were never at E3, ever. Those were always separate events that happened to be in the same city and in the same week of E3, but they were not at E3. If you had an E3 badge, you were not guaranteed entry. On the flip side... You didn't need an E3 badge. If you had an invite, you could go to those press conferences. So those were not part of E3 proper. They just happened to coincide with E3. But that was... In fact, if you were actually at E3, you couldn't see those conferences. They didn't air them in the convention center. You didn't see them. So that is why E3 went away they listened to the consumers they brought the consumers in in the industry pulled their support the consumers who did go to e3 they were very well, some of them were very disappointed because they were expecting packs in fact i was telling people in the late 2000s packs is what people who had never been to e3 thought e3 was like because packs was a celebration of gamers with gaming with some games but you notice like when nintendo would go to packs they brought games that were already out they didn't bring you, or maybe they brought one game that hadn't come out yet, but that game was coming out like a month. They weren't bringing games that were coming out 12 months later. They were bringing games that were already out. So a lot of people would go and then, but they would be like, okay, E3, and like the show floor closes at five o'clock. And they're like, so where's the free play? Where's the land center? Where's all this stuff? They're like, no, get out. And they're like, Where, where's the rest of the show? Where's the rest of the convention? Where's the rest of the con? Where's, you know, PAX runs 24-7. Why can't E3? And that's because they were trying to still do the industry trade show with having consumers in cosplay. 
Rob Roberts in chat says, sorry to be that guy, but... Sony would show bears in their booth. That's how I saw the Final Fantasy XIV 1.0 announcement. Thanks, Rob. Speaking of that, I uh, went over time a lot. Uh, so uh, with that, uh, normally we do a music break. We're not doing a music break. I'll save it for next week when we do our European show. Uh, and also, I'm not going to be taking your calls. Uh, and uh, so coming up next uh, is uh, three Orange Lounge Radio. Three people out in Sacramento, California. They talk about games for much, much longer than I do. Uh, and um, we, we, we like to check in with them. Uh, to see what's going on. Uh, so, uh, Sacramento, are you there? I am here, Hater. How are you? I am doing well. I am doing well. You didn't like my Rob Roberts impression? I, it, uh, that filter does not come through on okay. Discord very well. Okay. Sorry. G- good. Okay, good. You didn't like my Rob Roberts impression. That's what I said. Oh, jeez. But... <laughs> you can kiss my big butt. <laughs> So um, I, I know you had different kind of kind of different conflicting thoughts about E3, uh, yeah. you know. So like, and, and I think you're going to be talking about it more on OLR tonight. I'm sure. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. A, a bit, but you know, you know that I kind of think uh, a lot of mismanagement by the ESA yes. is really what did E3, and I think you and I kind of agree on a lot of points. Actually, yeah. um, I can totally understand that you know the g4 and the the youtube era really i yeah. I, I think it started with g4 but it really youtube and live streaming and twitch really yeah. you know and of course i love all those things but the reality is mm-hmm. once you started letting that stuff in the door of e3 um you know i i always uh put the pin on it with a story where i talked about i was fighting my way to get in to see uh, a new trailer a new demo of an ubisoft game it was actually a live play of a mm-hmm. uh, assassin's creed game and i had to justify who i was and why my show is and then i went back to the hotel and saw that exact same thing on youtube later that night and i was like well why did i freaking pour my heart out to this you know intern temporary person that was staffing the ubisoft booth to try to get in and mm-hmm. see this I was like i could just go see the same thing online yeah. you know um i think the a lot of the mystique of e3 was starting to lose its presence uh and i think a lot of that when you talk about how they you know did not evolve with the industry so it's it's the esa is to blame for that ultimately the esa should be ahead of the curve and consistently the esa has been behind the curve so i think this really begs the question how much longer is the esa going to exist at this point because i don't see the esa this was this was their thing this was this was how they made money this was this was their financial I don't see this lasting much longer, quite frankly. There's no, the ESA is not needed. I mean, how bad does it have to be in your management or what you've got have to be for Reed Pop to say, yeah, we can't do anything with this? Yeah. Yeah, well said. Uh, that that says a lot right there. Um, you know, and there's been a lot of think pieces about maybe the L.A. Convention Center was not a great place for it and da-da-da. Um you know, but ultimately it's the ESA that signs that contract with the yep. L.A. Convention Center. Um, I think L.A. was always fine. I think the mm-hmm. L.A. Convention Center was limiting, but considering that the show probably should have been more limited. Yeah. Um, yeah, it is what it is. But they 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 went too far. I think one of the biggest mistakes they probably made was caving to Sony's pressure of dropping out to the 2007 show if they didn't change something. Uh, and I think they I think they swung the pendulum too hard yes. on the airport hangar years. Yeah. And I think I think I don't think it ever recovered from that, quite frankly. Yeah. 
I mean, I will say that my favorite was to, like one of my favorites was 2008. So like there's mm-hmm. where we talk about the ha- airport hangar years, but it really was only one year. 2007 was in the hangar. 2008, they went back to the Los Angeles Convention Center, but maybe only had 10,000 people. And instead of people having their own big booths, they really, the show floor was all, the kiosks were exactly the same. But then there were the meeting rooms, and that's where you got the old flavor of the old E3, and you made all these meetings uh, using, like, because there's these hallways around the convention center that have meeting rooms, and that's what people would have. Then it went back up to the the E3 that we the looking like the E3 we remember in 2009, but yep. not the 85,000 people that showed up in 2006 because that really right. was the turning point was 2006. Right. But no, but it, there was so much good stuff that year. That was the year of the Nintendo Wii, right? And the PlayStation yeah. 3 and the mm-hmm. Xbox 360, like all this good stuff were that year. And, um, you know, that was that was really the definitive E3 in many ways. Yeah. But did they need to let every GameStop manager in the uh country into that show no maybe not so and they were already saying we're not going to let every podcaster in the world in the show and we it took us like because we still went like i still went but i had to like really fight and justify yeah and and eventually we gave up we're like we're tired of fighting this fight and that's why 2014 was my last e3 ironically we were guests of konami for a few years Mm -hmm. i don't remember if 2006 was the last year of that uh just time time fades pretty pretty rapidly but um it's it's pretty well known at this point that we were very well connected to people that worked at konami who Mm -hmm. called in favors you know it is it's that's just what it is sometimes the industry right you know um build relationships and so forth and uh i'm very thankful we did get to go those few years because that was that was you know the oh four oh five oh six years that was e3 really at its best 2010 wasn't bad but it just it wasn't the same as the right you know the odds yeah but yeah but and then around 2014 that was the last time we tried to get in his vlog and it was like it was a fight and then i think we tried again in 2015 and we're just like no they're not gonna let us in anymore because yeah. that was when youtube started being a thing so they wanted to see our youtube views and we didn't yep. we had a youtube channel and they're like well we see your youtube channel it doesn't have that many viewers yeah but unfortunately where's your screening process for how those youtube people are going to treat what they see right because you and i know how to you know and the other people affiliated yeah. with the vlog know how to fairly assess what's seen on the show floor without saying oh i'm never yeah. going to play this game because it was buggy as heck you know and so forth unfortunately that failure to better screen who they were bringing in mm-hmm. uh and i i think really did them in so i mean it is what it is what i will say is that i had some really good friends in the pr industry because they saw that type of stuff and so mm-hmm. they were the ones to to get me in in fact i think it was it was actually bethesda who got me into 2007 to 2008 because the way they did press in those smaller years oh, yeah, yeah was that it, you could you couldn't apply to be press the exhibitors would say these are the press people we want to show to and then we got invited in so i got in through bethesda that's how i got into those years yeah yeah and so and so i would basically have that but then eventually e3's like well we don't care what they want and so that's why they didn't let us in anymore even though i already had like i had appointments but they're Mm -hmm. like yeah but sorry you know here you can have uh this this you can have this uh you can have you can buy a badge because that was when they let the consumers in I'm like yeah but that doesn't get me into the meeting rooms because right. you could not get into the meeting rooms with a consumer badge that's how they segregated everything away that whole story underlines exactly where e3 derailed in setting their policies yeah 
Yep. So uh, I apologize for going over, but, but hey, we're going to be here earlier next week. Yes, we this, will be. This is my first time doing one of these, the one an earlier time. I know y'all have done them a couple times. It's been a while, but yes, we've done it a couple times, although it has been a while, yeah. So uh, yeah, so I will be on next week at 2 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Pacific, which is, I believe that is 7 p.m. Greenwich Mean Time. I can't remember if we're negative five or negative four because of, you know, all the time changes that we do. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and then you are on, OLR is going to be on next week at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific, 8 p.m. That's right. Greenwich mean time. Uh, so, uh, come join us on, on December 24th. Anything else you want to add to that? Um, honestly, no, we'll, we'll have a, we'll have a good old Christmas together or Christmas mm-hmm. Eve. And, um, yeah, uh, going to be, uh, of course, if you can't make it, it's always on the podcast feed yep. as usual, which is, uh, you know, part of the reason we do it this way. All right. And what else are you going to be talking about tonight here on the 17th? We'll talk about a piece of news that Activision kind of buried here at the last minute on a Friday afternoon mm-hmm. uh, about a major uh, thing that they were going through. Speaking of major, we'll talk about a major game that was canceled uh, and a uh, big announcement going out around that. And, you know, I've been playing some Fortnite Festival, which I'm kind of surprised, Bobby, that 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 has not tempted you into Fortnite yet. Oh, it but has. Ma- I just oh, was okay. at DreamHack. Oh, yeah, I was on a cruise and then I went to DreamHack. But, well, it's going to tempt you even more when they bring back your plastic instruments are going to be usable inside Fortnite Festival. So we're going to be talking a little bit about that because that's very exciting for many people. Because I have my plastic instrument over there that's already synced to my PC and everything. You're ready to go then. I'm ready to go. Make some videos. You might get one to go viral on YouTube. And then I might get one DMCA'd too. It'll be great. (laughs) Oh, like all of mine getting copyright striked, but it's fine. I'm not on YouTube to make money. It's fine. Right. Uh, Orange Lounge Radio is up next. Thank you so much, Rob. Thanks as always, Bobby. So uh, that is it for me. I will be back next Sunday afternoon, 2 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Pacific, 7 p.m. Greenwich Mean Time on December 24th. Yes, it is Christmas Eve. Uh, but I will be here in the afternoon. So come join us then uh, and interact with the show directly. Um, so uh, you can also find me on our, our Discord, vognetwork.com slash Discord is how you can get the invite uh, to go in there. We'll also post in there that we're doing a special time uh, for next Sunday. Or you can find me on social media at Bobby Blackwolf, uh, bobbyblackwolf.com, where the skies are blue, if that is where you are at. Um, or uh, like I said, or just really on our Discord. Uh, If you like the show, tell a friend. If you hate the show, tell an enemy. I don't care. Just tell someone the show is not for everybody, but it may be for somebody who does not know about it yet, but would not be able to make the show work without the help of the chatters who go above and beyond. You being here is really all we ask for, but those who do go above and beyond really do help us out. Thank you so much for resubscribing. SSJ Winner Matt, and then Mike Deft for 60 months and counting. Uh, thank you so much. Twitch math is weird, but uh, they've been here. Every, y- y'all been here for a long time. Thank you so much for all the continued support. And hey, we outlived the e- we we outlived E three, and we might outlive the ESA. Isn't that great? Uh, so all right, I'm gonna hit the button and get us out of here. Uh, but uh, when I hit the button, I need to unmute the music so you can hear it. There we go. Uh, so thank you so much. Uh, see you next week. Uh, in 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 the early days, in the in the early afternoons, light the sun's gonna be up. It's gonna be it's gonna be weird, but I'll see you then. Bye. A winner is you.
The views and opinions expressed are those of the hosts, guests, and callers only and are not necessarily the opinions of the Vogue Network, people who need to hire new voiceover guys, or your mom, although if Bobby said it, it really should be. This has been a production of Bobby Blackwolf Studios.